The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Good morning all. It's good to, uh, good to be with you. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. And uh, it's my privilege to uh, uh, be speaking to you today. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Romans chapter 6. Um, that's where we're going to be uh, uh, diving into for 20 minutes or so. Baptisms are absolutely uh, brilliant. I, I, I love to be around when they're happening. I, I love uh, what, what they stand for and what they represent. And uh, in some ways for me, I think it doesn't matter how many baptisms I've been to, um, there's still something sort of fresh and new about it. Um, absolutely brilliant. And they speak into the heart of what it is to be a Christian. They, they reveal something that probably no other illustration can do about, about the heart of Christianity. It speaks about Jesus Christ being risen from the dead, no longer in the grave. He, he has risen. But it also speaks about the fundamental change that's taken place um, in our lives as well. So if you're here today and you have been baptised, hopefully this will remind you of the foundational fundamental change that has taken place in your life when you gave your life to following Jesus. If you're about to be baptised, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, you've, you've, you've just turned up, you're just here, allow what you see in baptism and... And what I speak about um, over the next 20 minutes to, I don't know, see, see what happens on the inside of you. See what you make of what is being said and what is being demonstrated um, as Jack is baptised um, later on this morning. Um, it, is, it is good news. Just before um, I go any further, I just want to pray. So, um, I haven't done this in years. Why don't you stand? We're just going to pray. Lord, I just want to ask you right now that as your word is preached, as your word is communicated, I pray, Holy Spirit, please will you help me to do it really well. Lord, I pray would you go beyond, Lord, my abilities. And I pray each of us here in this room right now, Lord, would go away um, from this morning knowing, Lord God, that you have spoken. Lord God, that you have revealed something of your word. Lord, that you have had your way. Um, I do ask for that, Lord God. We pray, come meet with your people this morning. I ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Brilliant. Well, hopefully you have managed to find Romans 6. If you haven't, um, it will come up um, on the screen behind me. Now, I've got to admit, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 are a little bit confusing when you first read them. But I'm totally confident that by the end of this morning, you'll all understand exactly what is going on and be able to communicate to the person sat next to you with full confidence and assurance. Mm, maybe. Anyway, we will see. What should we say then? Should we keep on sinning so that God's grace can increase? Not at all. As far as sin is concerned, we are dead. So how can we keep on sinning? All of us were baptised into Christ Jesus. Don't you know that we were baptised into his death? 
By being baptised, we were buried with Christ into his death. Christ has been raised from the dead by the Father's glory. And like Christ, we also can live a new life. I think these are some of the most important um, verses in the Bible. Um, I I can remember a a number of years ago, I was sat down with a friend of mine, slightly older guy than me, and we spent a number of weeks just looking and working out what do these verses mean, because they are so important for us that as Christians particularly, we understand what is going on here. So we're just going to take it a verse at a time. And I'm going to hopefully at a good pace work my way through. Hope I don't linger too long. I can. Preachers can do that, you know. They can get a little bit carried away. Um, but but hopefully we move it through at a good pace, and uh, we will come um, uh, to understand what it's about. What should we say then? Should we keep on sinning so that God's grace can increase? Now, when you know how wonderfully free salvation is. When you, when you understand how God's undeserved kindness has invaded our lives as Christians, it can lead us to the question, well, does it matter how I live then? If I've got it all for free and I haven't earned it myself, can't I just go on and do whatever I want? Does it really make any difference at all? You could think, well, look, I've got a ticket to heaven. Jack has got a ticket to heaven. Do you know what I mean? He's put his faith in Jesus Christ does it matter what he does for the rest of his earthly life? Does that bear any, any sort of uh, semblance or any, any, any effect on anything out? And actually, isn't it if you just sort of go off and do your own thing? Doesn't it just mean you get more of God's grace and more of God's mercy into your life? And that's what the church in Rome, some of them, were thinking. Because this gospel, this good news about becoming a Christian is so totally free, hey, Once you've received it, go live what you want, like you want. Do what you want. And the writer to this uh, this letter to the Romans is quite indignant. He says, not at all. As far as sin is concerned, we are dead. So how can we keep on sinning? He's indignant at such a suggestion. And he makes quite a statement. He says, if you're a Christian here today, do you know something? You've died. You have died died. Now, he's not saying you are dying, because certainly after my run yesterday morning, I felt like I was dying. I can understand that. But no, no, he says, if you're a Christian here today, in your past, you died. Past tense, something that has happened to you. You have died to the power of sin over you, that rebellion against God, that self-rule. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Romans, says, you are dead. Do you know that? So as you're sat here today, it's an odd concept, isn't it? Because you're thinking, I'm very much alive. I'm breathing. I've nudged the person next to me. I mean, they look dead, the person next to me, but they are only sleeping. Do you mean? But, but, you know, actually, no, if you're a Christian here today, you died. And if you have died to the power of sin, it no longer has mastery over you. I don't need to follow its rules, I don't need to follow its desires, I don't need to follow its commands, because although sin is very much alive, I have died to its power, its influence, and its control. Another way of putting it is, I have been disconnected from it. Now give me a plug. Give me a plug socket. Give me something to disconnect. 
Hmm. I'll look at the PA guy and see what's going to happen. If I disconnect this plug here, the keyboard will no longer work. There is no power running to it. And in a sense, that is what's happened to us as Christians. You have been disconnected from the power of sin that used to rule over you. Now, when I first heard this, I, I thought, now that is, okay, I'll be honest. I didn't say it because I'm far too polite. I said, that is rubbish. Because I know, I know that sin is very much alive. I, I, I sense it, I can see it. And if I'm honest, it all seems to be far too active in my life at times. What I want to say is park that for a moment. Park your experience for a moment. And let's just see how the passage goes on. It says this as we move through. All of us were baptised into Christ Jesus. First time the word baptism has been used. Don't you know that you were baptised into his death? Interesting, all of us. So if you are here a Christian... Come on, Paul, get your words out in the right order. If you are a Christian here today, what we're talking about here includes you. It's not just the really holy Christians like Sue. You know, you could say, oh, Sue, definitely. I, I think Sue is dead to the power of sin, but the rest of us, we're in trouble. No, no, no. All of us, if you're a Christian, you have died to it. So how did this death occur? It's so important to understand. When Jesus died on the cross and defeated the power of sin, I died with him. I was baptised. I was immersed in Christ. So the word baptism just means immersed, dunked submerged. I was wondering about putting someone in here, but I thought that wouldn't be appropriate. So you've got this stool. I am baptising the stool. Now, that didn't work very well. <laughs> the stool got baptised and so did my arm. It, 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 got, it got immersed. And that, that is a picture of what happened when I became a Christian, I got baptised, I got submerged into Jesus Christ. Um, if, you, if, you, if, you, um, if you're pregnant, if you're pregnant, um, well, how on earth do I say this, like, not saying like stupid, but anyway, I'm just going to say, if you're pregnant, you've got a baby inside you, yeah? Yes, biology lesson. Just for any of you that didn't know that, that's what it means. Whatever happens to mum happens to the baby. Wherever mum goes, the baby goes. Whatever mum eats or drinks, the baby has some of that as well. The baby is, as it were, baptised into the mum, is submerged, is part of, joined to the mum. In the same way that has happened to us in Jesus Christ. That's why we submerge a person. Jack, you're going under the water. You're going right under the water. That's why we submerge and we don't sprinkle with a little bit of water because you just haven't been sprinkled in Christ. You have been submerged. You've been baptised in Jesus. And so what we're illustrating as Jack is baptised is that he is fully in Jesus. He has been submerged in him. And my slavery, or actually Jack's slavery to sin and its power, came to an end. He was disconnected when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Not just sins forgiven, but an identity change. A transfer took place. That's what going under the water in baptism symbolises. It symbolises he has died. 
He ha- it has finished. He has been disconnected. But it also means an end to self-rule. It also means an end to selfish living. It all may also means an end to self-interest because I have died in Christ. And then we move on these last few words in, in, in this section. By being baptised, we were buried with Christ into his death. Christ has been raised from the dead by the Father's glory. And like Christ, we can live a new life. It talks about baptism like a burial. When Jack is baptised in a minute, it's a bit like his funeral service. He has died. There's something, he has died. That old person has died. That was living for self. In a sense, that is, that is what is happening. And there's a reg- recognition on the part of those being baptised that in Jesus they have died to the power of sin in their lives and their right to self-determination has also died. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glorious power of God, we too may now live a new life pleasing to God. We have been wonderfully joined to Jesus. If you're a Christian here today, I've already said it, I know I'm repeating myself, we have been wonderfully joined to Jesus. What happened to him on the cross hasn't just won us forgiveness of sins, but changed who we are and now gets worked out in how we live. Now, you, you might still have the same thinking, past experience, even trauma, that might still be there from before you were a Christian. There's no delete button that you can press but you have been disconnected from its power source, the authority of sin over you, and you're now connected to a new power and authority, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is what baptism demonstrates. It's it's more actually than just a picture or illustration. It has real spiritual significance for those being baptised. And we notice that in the Bible, um, uh, faith, repentance, and baptism aren't like separate things. They all pretty much happen together. That there wasn't often a big gap. So in, in, in the New Testament, in the Bible, so, so Jack, Jack, you know, in a sense, I, I guess you committed your life to following Jesus on Easter Sunday and you're being baptised six months later and that is absolutely brilliant, that is wonderful. But, but actually in the Bible, the, all of it went together. Often what would happen is um, someone would confess their faith in Christ and pretty much, well, let's go find some water then. We are now going to baptise you, we're going to dunk you, we're going to submerge you. And that's no criticism with you, Jack. It's brilliant you're being baptised today. But it's just how we do things. I think in Western culture as well, we like to plan a bit better. Do you know what I mean? We like some of that stuff. But New Testament, it wouldn't have been there. So sometimes we think like faith and repentance is one step and baptism is a second step. They're not. It's all just part of a whole. There wouldn't have been any thought of a Christian who said they were following Jesus but hadn't been baptised in water. Two things just go together. It's just how it works. Not two steps, but part of a whole. Just a couple of quick observations. They should be quick anyway. Christ has been raised from the dead by the Father's glory. Do you know that same power that raised Jesus from the tomb 
is at work in us. It's the same type of power. It says this in Ephesians 1, 18 and 20. And, and the Apostle Paul prays this because, because he knows that as Christians, often it doesn't feel like I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead at work in me. It certainly didn't feel that way when I got out of bed this morning. You know, as you sort of stagger down the stairs, I'm, I'm not experiencing much of that same power. This morning in the worship, you might be thinking, do you know what? God seems really, really distant. But this is what the Apostle Paul prayed. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Church, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. And that's, again, not just for the special Christian. Sorry, I'm picking on you, Sue, but you are about to go to Australia for four months, so I'll get, get away with it. But, but, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in Sue. It's working Becky and Peter and Andrea and John and Abby and Richard. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. It's a game changer. I've been disconnected from the power of sin and its rule and its reign. I've been reconnected to a resurrected Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in me. And all the potential life and power that we see within Jesus is available to us as Christians. But secondly, we also see that there is a purpose to this. You know, what does this newness of life look like? If the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me, what, what does it look like? Well, the first thing, I, I, well, the main thing really I just want to finish with now is it changes our identity. Who we are at the core of our being changes when we come to know Jesus Christ. Not just sins forgiven, which is wonderful, but a whole new identity. If we can just quickly put up that table, it's like being in an English lesson or something. Before we came to know Jesus, our old identity had the stuff down the left. When we came to know Christ, the, the, the stuff on the left went, it died, and I got the stuff on the right. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a few things that I pulled up. I was once in conflict with God. I was an enemy of God, but the moment I gave my life, the moment Jack gave his life to following Jesus, he found peace with God. Once he was rejected, but now he is, now you are accepted by God. Once you were living for self, but that has died. That right for self-determination has ended when you came to know Jesus Christ. I am now living for God. And that's something that Jack is expressing in water baptism. He's saying, I'm not living for myself anymore. I am living for Jesus Christ. Once I was in hostility towards God, now I love God and I love his ways. And, and if you're sort of sat there saying, actually, I don't love God and I don't love his ways. Well, then, then, then call out to him for mercy. 
Ask him for mercy. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Once you were a slave to sin, you were at its beck and call. Now you have a freedom from sin. Once you were separated from God, but now you belong to him. These, these things change at the core of our being. It's new things added in, new identity in there. But, but we know, don't we, as well, not everything changes. Um, your likes, your dislikes, your habits. Anyone got any bad habits? You probably had them before you became a Christian, and you've probably still got many of them now. Your height didn't change when you became a Christian. I don't think it did. I've never heard of that happening before. Your appearance, your hair colour, they didn't change. Your, your nationality, your, your race hasn't changed from before to after you became a Christian. Likelihood is your emotional makeup hasn't changed either. If you're an emotional, outgoing type person, after you become a Christian, you will still be that. If you're introverted and shy, that will probably still be the case as well. Your physical health didn't suddenly improve. You know, once you could only do a, an 11-minute mile and now you can do a five-minute mile. It doesn't, some of you may wish that was the case. That doesn't, those things don't change. But equally, your mental health probably hasn't changed either. Your memories, your upbringing are still the same. Your mind, your way of thinking haven't changed. Good events, bad events, trauma, they are still in your history. Those things haven't been wiped away, even though you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. But all these things, and many more besides, now need to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All of that stuff from the past needs to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to learn to see things from God's perspective. So how does it work in practice? It says this in Romans 6, 13. Don't give any part of yourself to serve sin. Don't let any part of yourself be used to do evil. Instead, give yourselves to God. You have been brought from death to life. So give every part of yourself to God to do what is right. Give your thoughts, your words, your actions to serve God. God has a new way for us to live. Rather than Paul rotating yourself around my own preferences and desires, we begin to see the wonder and the privilege of following Jesus and we start to rotate around him and what pleases him. It's a process, don't we? We know this. It's a process with many ups and many downs. I'd love a quick fix. I'd love a press a button and it all changes. But truth is, God works on one bit of us at a time. And I've often found that in areas where I'm struggling, God comes back to me, same area again and again and again and again. Because although I'm growing, it's slow. And with me, God's growing an oak tree, not a, ba a bamboo plant. You know, like bamboo, it shoots up in really quick time. An oak tree takes ages to grow. Sometimes you can't even see the growth. But that's what God is doing in us. He's growing oak trees, not bamboo plants. Let's just take one 
example, you know, how do you handle your emotions? If you're flying, if you fly off the handle, if you did before you became, came to know Christ, you'd fly off the handle or you'd become overwhelmed with self-pity. How, how do we change? Well, the first thing we need to do, we need to realise that we have died to the power of sin in our lives. I have been disconnected and I've been plugged into Jesus Christ. And that's something we have to think about, we have to pray about. It's, it's a faith thing. Because even as I'm sat, even as you're sat here, I'm standing here, there's probably a whole load of you thinking, no, no, I don't, that's not true for me. It's a, it's a faith battle. We need to find out what the Bible says. We need to know it. We need to obey it. We need to get help from others around us. We grow best in community. That's why connect groups are so, so important, and 242 groups. And we need to not give up. We need to be persistent, even when we feel stuck, even when things feel pretty desperate. Baptism speaks of death and resurrection. The person being baptised has died with Christ. I'm finished with my old way. This is my burial service and I am now a new creation in Jesus. Baptism is a statement that I am following Christ. For those of you here today, and probably it's the majority, you're following Jesus and you have been baptised as we stand here right now or sit and we're going to support Jack as he gets baptised, it's good to remember the fundamental change, the change of identity that took place when we came to know Jesus. For those of you that are here right now, you're following Jesus but you haven't yet been baptised, you need to come and find Paul or Sam or Dan at the end of the meeting and say, I want to be baptised. It's, it's a decision, it's a faith step, but it's a step of obedience. And for those of you that are not following Jesus, you know you're not a follower of Jesus. Do you know what? You can become one right now. You can become one today. It's a repentance, faith step, knowing you cannot do it on your own and you're going to live for Jesus. I believe that you died, that you rose again, that you're coming back again. And I'm giving my life to follow you. For some of you, you know that God is working on your heart right now. He is. You just know that he is. And you might be thinking, how do I get from where I am right now to find out about this Jesus? Again, come and talk to Dan or Paul, who were hosting the meeting. Come find them at the end of the meeting. Talk to Sam if you want to. Or if you can't find any of those people, go to the information desk and say, I want to talk to a pastor. And they will find one for you. And they will talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. If I can invite you to stand, please. If I can invite the band back up, that would be absolutely brilliant. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this radical transformation that has taken place in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, how I've been united. We have been united with you, both in your death and resurrection. I thank you, a disconnection and a reconnection, a connection has occurred in you. Thank you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us. Lord, I just want to pray for those of us that are st stood here right now thinking, no, that is not true for me. 
I ask you, Lord God, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we would may know the hope to which you've called us and the glorious power that is available for us who believe. Lord, I ask for those right now that know they need to be baptised but haven't yet made that step. I ask you, Lord, you give them the boldness and the courage to step out their row at the end of this meeting, go find a pastor and say, I want to be baptised. Lord, and I ask for those, Lord Jesus, that do not know you yet. I pray, Holy Spirit, will you continue to work in their hearts and their lives, revealing yourself to them. Lord, I pray for the gift of faith. Lord God, that they might believe you. Lord, we ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.